Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Handyman Success Podcast. My name is Jason Call, owner of Handyman Marketing Pros. I'm here with my co-host, Alan Lee, the owner of Handyman Journey Business Coaching and Honest Lee Handyman Services in Sacramento. Uh, I also want to take one second to shout out Alan and Rich. Um, so, uh, you know, you guys that listen to us know Alan and his honestly handyman service. So uh, within the last couple of weeks, Alan uh, hired a general manager, Rich, who is promoting the company. So now Alan is the official CEO, just doing the business and the marketing side. And the general manager is running his whole his whole company. So I just wanted to shout out Alan and congratulations to Rich because it's a huge, massive step that Alan's taking in his handyman business to further remove himself. Um, so anyway, just want to take a moment to to share that with y'all uh, about Alan's uh, journey in his handyman business. Uh, today for that. we are joined by Kevin Mules uh, of Dynamic Handyman Solutions in Turlock, California. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Kevin. Um, if you don't mind, uh, give us a little lay of the land and um, kind of where you're at in your business right now. Yeah, thank you guys so much for the opportunity. It's an honor to be here. Watch pretty much every podcast so far you guys put out, and it's just great to hear everyone's different stories. So again, uh, name is Kevin Moles. I'm located here in Turlock, California, Central Valley, uh, owner of Dynamic Candyman Solutions. I've been in business um, for seven years as of May. Uh, three of those were uh, part-time actually at the beginning. So I've only been full-time with the business since 2019 when I left my engineering job. Um, my background is kind of that. I'm a registered mechanical engineer in the state of California. So that's what I did for seven years uh, before I kicked off this uh, handyman business. Awesome. Awesome. Um, let's get a little bit more information about like your current business. Then we'll kind of jump into your story. I definitely want to hear about like the engineering and kind of like how, you know, your how you were led to open a handyman business. Um, um, if you don't mind kind of sharing uh, like, uh, like just rough, like revenue numbers, as far as like what you're planning this year. And, um, do you have any like specific focus, like within your business, as far as service focus, like all residential, you know, fencing, um, if you can kind of uh, talk through a little bit of that with us. Yeah, so um, I, I think we were talking earlier about this has probably been the slowest year I've had in six years on this business. Just I think most people listening to this are probably feeling that in their own market and just the economy in general. I'm hoping to break 200,000 gross this year. Uh, we're already in um, right kind of the end of September only three more months left and uh, things get slower in the winter typically. So I don't know if I'll break that, but by, that's hopefully going to be the goal for this year. I was kind of looking at my numbers when I first started my business. So my first year part-time 2017, I started in 2016, about halfway through, uh, I grossed $54,000 as a side gig gross back in 2017. So definitely have grown because obviously now I dedicate time this is how I feed my family here is my handyman business um, specific services so uh, uh, I do a lot of fence repair I actually have my c13 which is the California um, contractor's license for fencing because it was one of the services where I, you have to charge quite a bit because materials are expensive and the labor just takes a lot for fencing I don't do huge jobs but I didn't want the uh, CSLB on my back if anything happens. So I figured 
you know, if anything happens, I have my C13 in my back pocket. If anyone asks any questions, I do a lot of, I specialize in small to medium sized repairs. I'm not doing big work. Again, I'm not a general contractor, but um, maintenance, I do a lot of furniture assembly, do a lot of that. I just put a swing set together the other day. That was six hours. I work alone. So my team is me, myself, and I, all three of us. Sometimes it's hard to work with each other. Let me tell you, um, we, we kind of bag on each other sometimes. Um, I do a lot of, uh, this one's kind of unique cabinet floor repair. I don't know, Alan, if you guys do a lot of this, but man, I do a lot of cabinet floor for the sink, the sink cabinet is mm -hmm. a lot of renters, even how many times do you open your sink cabinets. I don't, uh, but I replace a lot of those every year. That's kind of unique furniture assembly, a lot of fence repair, light, light plumbing, light electrical. So light fixtures, mm -hmm. fans. I do a ton of fans. I think I've probably done five, 500, 1,000 since I probably started this business. Um, so that, that a lot of TV mounting. So small services, that's what I specialize in, the stuff you're not going to call a general contractor to come in and do for you. That's awesome. And so you say you have your C13 for fencing. How long, uh, how long ago did you get that? How long have you had that? And maybe you could talk a little bit about the costs associated with that, because that's kind of an interesting topic here in California, because everyone's like, well, how do you make a living in California? Because you can only charge $500 per job. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that license and how that experience has been for you. Yeah. So um, California, there are schools that you can go to, to help prepare you. It's like a contractor's uh, test school. And there's one here in Modesto. You can do it online. I did it online because I, uh, now that you mentioned, I'm trying to remember when I did it, it was actually pandemic. Because every school was locked down for actual in-person classes. So it must have been like 2020 when I started looking into it. The class is, uh, was $900. You don't have to do that. But the thing with it is um, they give you a booklet, I mean a folder about this thick of just study materials. And the thing is with the class, uh, which I learned becoming an engineer, you can... I mean, the engineering textbook's about this thick. You don't need to know everything, though, right? There's specific questions. So by going through the school, you're using their knowledge because they kind of know what the test questions are going to be. And so the material's a lot more concise, precise mm -hmm. on what you're studying. So I studied all that. And then the school also has tests, practice tests that you can take. And you can take them unlimited times, all, you know, for like two months. You pay for a certain amount of time. So I basically just did the test over and over and over until I got pretty much 90, 90%, 100% on the test because you start memorizing the answers. <laughs> so um, because you see the same questions over and over again. Now, when you take the test, there are quite a few of those questions that you've seen already. A lot of them you don't, you know, it's plan reading, things like that. So that's the route I went because, again, I just want to pay the money, know the information I needed to study. And then you go into a room. It's a I think it's a four-hour test because on the in California you also have to take a laws test, and that doesn't matter which contractor license you have. It can be B two, can be fencing, concrete. You have to take a laws portion, and then you take your trade portion. And so the one that most people fail is the laws portion because it's just all kinds of shenanigans about how much you can take uh, bill people, how you set things up, the laws. So again, that class covers everything. So that's I, the $900 was well spent and, you know, I passed it on the first time. And so I, I was just one of those because 
a finch job, a smaller finch job. I do up to about 30 feet of replacement. Mm-hmm. I won't do 100 feet. I mean, I work by myself. I have, uh, we can talk about this later, but uh, super important to have a Rolodex of people you can refer out to your customers that you actually trust, not just someone you heard about. Uh, and if I do that, uh, kind of put a little star asterisk there and tell people, I don't know these people. I just heard mm-hmm. about them, but uh, we can talk about that later. But that's, uh, yeah, a little bit on the C13. That way I could charge $2,000, $3,000 for a Finch job. A uh, set of gates I built several years ago is about $3,000. All, all steel gates, uh, redwood pickets, everything custom built, painted. So I just don't want no one on my back asking questions like, you can't charge that. Like, well, yeah, I can. I have my C13, although I'm a handyman. Yeah. And so is there any other costs associated like insurance, bonding? What are the things that are required for that? Yeah, so um, because I work alone, I don't need workman's comp in California. So mm. if I have employees, like if I was Alan, yeah, I definitely would under that. By law, I definitely need workman's comp. So I don't need to pay that. Um, I'm not bonded. Um, I wasn't for the C-13. That was not required. But there okay. was, um, maybe that's a lie. I'm trying to think now. Uh, I do pay for something. I mean, I have my general liability insurance already, mm-hmm. my business, but uh, the licensing does cost money. So that just to, to hold a license because it's California, they want their money every two years to keep right. any contractor's license up and going. Uh, so that I do pay for. And then um, I, I think there is a bonding. It's I think it's $25,000. The state just kind of upped it. And then I just... The people I did the school training from, they sell the bonds too. So I already worked oh. with those people. I paid them. I just made it easier for me. Mm-hmm. So that's the associated cost. Ongoing is just you have to keep renewing it, just like my engineering license. It just you got to keep keep it up and pay it up every couple of years. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So, uh, man, let's let's dig into your past. <laughs> let's uh, no. I mean, uh, I'll be going there, guys. <laughs> I joke. You no, I came to Jesus um, back in. Oh, we're not going that way. Okay. Um, okay, so here's my past. So uh, born and raised a farm kid, and I still help my parents farm a little bit. We farm almonds. Almonds. Some of those, some of those listening are going to say, what the heck are those? And uh, 99.9% of the rest of the world, y'all know them as almonds. Well, here in the Central Valley where I'm at, we kind of shake the L out of it, and it's called almonds. So that's uh, how you harvest them. Alan knows because his wife's from Ripon, so he knows all about it. (laughs) So that's what I grew up doing. So working with my hands, working with animals, love being outside. Um, So agriculture. So I decided to go to school for ag engineering, uh, more mechanical design for ag equipment, because I grew up with tractors, equipment fabrication, welding. I love doing all that stuff and I still do. So went to school uh, to a really well-known school here in California called Cal Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, uh, one of the few ag engineering programs in the state. Went down there, got my degree, and then went and got my engineering license um, after I started working. So then I went to work for seven years. So farm kids kind of go one of two ways. One, they hate what they grew up with and so they don't want a part of it and i have a lot of friends who did that right they're just like i'm tired of ag i'm tired with the cows you know if it's a dairy you know i don't want to do that 
I'm the opposite. I really love it. And I wish I was farming full time, honestly. That's kind of my one of my goals in life, especially for my kids. And so being an engineer, I was behind a desk and farm kids and desks like me don't work <laughs> out too hot. So after about five, six years, I started getting a little stir crazy, um, like being behind a desk at least six hours, you know, because we're doing design work, 3D modeling on a computer. That's just part of the nature. There's a vast majority or vast difference in engineering jobs. I could have been test engineer at a company where I'd be outside. It's just where I landed. The company I worked for was right up the road, 30 minutes. And they did farm equipment for nut harvesting specifically. So um, one of my dreams to work for them. And I did. So I did that for seven years. It enjoyed it. Enjoyed the people I work with. But I, I needed to work with my hands. So I started getting this itch. And I started my handyman business part-time in 2016. And then I did it part-time for three years before I, I went full-time. So what what gave you the the original idea to do handyman stuff? Like you just were thinking of stuff you do or what? Uh, so I'm always trying to make a little extra money. We're a single income home, so my wife stays home with our kids, and when I was trying to make extra money somehow beyond just what I made at work. Uh, I was a salaried employee, no chance for overtime. Kind of the way some of the California laws, salaried employees, you get paid what you get paid. Uh, so I'd like try to work weekends like, well, we don't pay you any extra. I'm like, well, then I'm not going to do that. Um, so uh, I buy and sell stuff. And then the handyman thing, I was like, what can I do? So I started making a whole list, you know, during lunchtime. What can I do? What do I know how to do? Um, I actually taught adjunct at a local junior college that I went to and um, teaching ag mechanics. So ag shop class. So I did that for five semesters uh, every week. Um, to make a little extra income, and I enjoyed that. But uh, what do I enjoy? I, I like farming. It's really hard to get into farming, especially like part-time, the equipment, leasing ground. It, it's not cheap. So I was like, I have a bunch of tools at home. I worked on homes pretty much, again, back to the farm kid thing. My dad, um, you know, always worked on our own house or a house that was on a property we had, doing some remodel work. Uh, no pro, but I've done it have all these tools. So one of the big things was the low barrier to entry in handyman work. Literally, I had Zaza that had uh, power tools, drills, you know, just being a farm kid, I always had that, worked on my own cars. What can I do with this? So then I wrote a whole list and I think I found it the other day. What do I know? <laughs> I know how to uh, build a fence. I know. And I literally wrote all this list and I would freak out like, I don't know enough. I don't know enough to start a business. I'm like, but then the way I got over that was like, dude, there's guys that build business over being a window washer. I'm like, that's all they do is washing windows. I'm like, that guy can, whoever run, run a business washing windows. And I know about like 50 different things. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, let's just try it part-time and never intended to be like a full-time gig. It was just something to make extra money for our family on top of what I was making as an engineer. Uh, and I really wanted to invest in real estate and I wanted to not take that money out of uh, out of my regular income. So I started it part time. Uh, you don't want to know what I was charging. We can get that. <laughs> <laughs> what were you charging? Uh, uh, I got, uh, got to ask. <laughs> oh, here I am as an engineer making, you know, I think it's like about 50 bucks an hour, you know, right out of college. And I'm like, 
hey man, I grew up working outside, working with guys in the field, ag, you know, those guys are, they're just minimum wage. So at that time, probably $12 an hour. I'm like, dude, 25 an hour for like homework, you know, working as a handyman. That's probably pretty good, especially going Craigslist. <laughs> oh, years of experience, 25. I'm going to charge 25 an hour. You idiot. Like you're making <laughs> 50 over here on the desk and you're going to charge 25. I didn't know, you know, who? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we can talk about pricing a little bit later. Please make sure to bring that up because I have some really strong thoughts on guys who are going to start this part time and pricing. So that's mm. where I started $25 in a Ford Focus. And yeah. uh, there you go. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, I would love to talk about the part time side. Um, let's, if, uh, let's see. What, what was I about to say here? Uh, oh, yeah. What? Like, what prompted you, like, what was it like to, like, leave your job? Like, what was that decision like? Like, what into that? Because you've got four kids now. Is that right? I have four. Uh, I started this handyman journey business uh, May, uh, Mother's Day of 2016, I remember, actually. Uh, my first son was born um, January 2016. We had We got married in 2015, so we had our first right away. So I was uh, teaching adjunct, started this handyman business and working full time right after my one year old and started the business. The, the thing is, I like to take calculated risks. I'm not one of these jump out of the plane and put the parachute okay. on on your way down. That's not my style. Maybe if I was young and no family and, you know, less responsibility. I know myself. I know my work ethic. I'll get it done. Not with the wife and kids, you know, I was like, I'm not going to do that. I got to build, see that I can get enough built up before I just jump ship here. And uh, so that's why I did it for two years, three years. And uh, it was all every weekend and uh, every day, not every day, maybe two, three days after work to get that business. And so, you know, I just saw the income you know, like 54 gross. So I only keep about like 50% of that. So I made like 25 on the side that first year, uh, part-time, and then maybe another 25 the year following. And so I was like, okay, well, that's only working weekends and a couple days after work. What could I do full-time? Then watching videos, watching Alan, watching uh, a couple other guys online, um, just, you know, what to charge, how to bring up your pricing, talking to my wife, hey, you know, she knew I was going crazy in the office and, uh, you know, I've dealt with, uh, dealt with depression seriously a long time ago in uh, graduate school. So I kind of had that sense of personally what I was going on inside. Like I can't stay behind a desk longer. Like I, I might go a little crazy. My parents, you know, it's tough. You know, you see your kid, you know, I'm an adult, you know, but my dad's just like, are you sure? Like, you just went to school for seven years because I went to graduate school to get my master's in engineering and you're going to go do handyman work. Like and I'm thinking, yeah, I could have, I could have skipped the college and done handyman work right away, you know? Hmm. Uh, but it was just, I had to do it for my mental state because I like working with my hands. And I saw that the income was there. I saved the way we did is uh, again, calculated risk. We saved a year's worth of expenses before I jumped ship. So hmm. if this thing went south and it just blew up, I, I would freak out a little bit. But at the end of the day, uh, I could go back right to where I work. I can I can walk where I was working right now and they'd give me a job. That's just the hmm. relationship we have. Um, 
and and so I can still go back. But yeah, it was the I have my kids to take care of and my wife. I'm gonna save a, a year's worth, my wife and I, and that way, if anything happens, we're not freaking out, right? We have a whole year to figure it out. So that's what I would recommend to people. If you're doing it part time, trying to figure it out. If you're you're single and you're like, I'm just gonna do it. Fine, six months, you know. Uh, but I, I wanted a little more cushion than that. But it was a hard jump, you know, gone to school for seven years to do something. I worked in that field for seven years. My income possibility, I could probably be making 150 or more at this point uh, if I was still there, but I'd be behind a desk. So hmm. I, I, I enjoy what I'm doing now with my hands. Um, it's just who I am. That's good. And I think that that's one huge thing about this podcast is we want to basically define success, right? And success looks different for every person. Some people define it as, you know, a lot of money per year, right? A lot of, some people define it as freedom and things like that. How would you personally define success? Like thinking about kind of your life and kind of where you're at? That's a hard question. I don't, I don't know. Um, success for me. I know like yesterday I went my kids field trip. He's at kindergarten. So my wife and I and our two other kids and one was in school. So it was cool to be able to, well, one, things are slow. So I didn't have anything booked. But at the same time, being able to be like, I can go to that. I don't have to go to the office. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wish I could make a little more. I mean, I have this dream in my head of uh, $10,000 a month in passive income is what I would love to do because that would give me freedom to like go farm uh, more and uh, or uh, think about that a little more um, and actually pursue that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, success for me, is, is it a money thing? I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I'd like to have more and make more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to have a little more freedom. But I, I, I mean, there's days I stay home with the kids because the wife's got an appointment, doctor's appointment, and we don't have to hire a babysitter. I think that's pretty awesome. I, I like that yeah. flexibility of this business. I'm not tired. I can work my schedule and appointments around what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think that that's one thing I absolutely love too is when my my daughter she was born um, in 2018 and she was born with a lot of medical issues, and it was really cool that. I was the only guy in the business at the time, but I was able to make every single one of my daughter's doctor's appointments um, for like the next two years, which was awesome. And I think that the handyman business really afforded me that. So I think it's interesting to think about, like, especially from an outsider, people listening, they might think, wow, you were an engineer, like you could make $150,000. Why would you ever leave that? And My customers up- ask me that. <laughs> right. right. Honestly, like, why dude. would you do it? You know, it seems like suicide, but. I think um, I think the bottom line is, right, you were going crazy sitting behind a desk and now you have the freedom to actually work with your hands. Maybe you're not making as much money as you would have, but you have more of that freedom, right? Yeah. Yeah. My customers ask me that question like, hey, so, you know, uh, Jason over there got me an awesome website and part of it, I'm like, one of it's like, I'm not your average handyman. And hmm. people are like, what? And then you read down, it's like, I'm a licensed mechanical engineer in California. You're like, what the heck? This guy's an engineer. And people ask me like, so I was on your website. Like, you are an engineer? I'm like, yeah, I went to school for seven years. Hmm. Why are you doing this? <laughs> I explain. And so I tell them, so, hey, I'm a farm kid. You know, I like working hmm. with my hands. And I was behind a desk. And I had to get away from that. And Oh, that that's cool. That's an interesting story. Would you go back? If I have 
to and that's mm. what it takes to pay the bills and yeah but right now i'm still heads above water still right now so no yeah, yeah. it's a good story for people to just yeah, yeah exactly like why would you leave that for a trade like this Whenever, uh, whenever I was leaving my corporate job to start my business, uh, my mom, she said, well, at least he's employable. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you, you, it reminded me your story of like your parents, like, what are you crazy? Went to school for all this stuff. So I had the similar thing. I had so much investment into a career in, in finance and had a, I was working in a good company. And, and so this this is just a general point of if anyone out there hasn't started yet, you're in the early phases, like you're not going to get a ton of like authentic support until you prove that you can, you're getting after it and you're having some success because yeah. parents, you know, that they love you so much, they care about you. They, you know, they default to that safety of they want to see mm -hmm. you with a solid paycheck. But anyway, my mom, I never forget her saying like, well, at least you're employable. I've said here, my dad's my my engineering degree is up here on the wall. And I'm just like, you know what? In the day, I got a piece of paper. I mean, I got seven years experience. <laughs> I mean, I can go anywhere in the country right now and get an intro engineering job. Right. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, you know, um, and security. I love that. Yeah, the security. Yeah, until you get laid off, then what? Right, right. So one thing, Kevin, if you could kind of um, offer some tips or guidance in the for the part-timers out there, because I know a lot of our listeners, they're either um, already part-time or they're thinking about starting a business and doing it on the side like you did. Um, and since you did it for three years, uh, what would you say some of the highlights there, like maybe some uh, tips and maybe some things to avoid? Man, it's tough. Uh, y'all, y'all's family got to be on board. Um, so my wife already knew I was a workaholic coming from a farming background. So there's not much downtime in that in that world. Um, and then uh, just like I just like to work. And so then having your first kid <laughs> and and newly married, and then let's start this business. So. Um, I would encourage people who are doing it part-time, you know, if you're going to just do it part-time long-term and they're just a little, to make a little side money, then that's fine. Like that's, that's cool. You know, maybe you don't have to push it very hard. Maybe you do it a couple of days after work, you know, and, um, and you don't want to do weekends. So for me, I, I was trying to make as much money because, again, I was trying to use that money to invest in real estate and buy a rental property. So I was working, uh, I don't work Sundays. Uh, for me, that's the Lord's Day, so I definitely don't work Sundays. But every single Saturday, I, I was pretty much out the door at seven o'clock. I start all my jobs at seven thirty is my first scheduled job time. So every Saturday, I was gone, and probably three to four days a week whenever I could schedule uh, for two years. So it was tough on my wife, and because uh, then the second baby came two years later, so we had three of them, and I was <laughs> gone. Uh, and that was at a point where I was like, okay. I'm making enough revenue part-time. I should be able to double that, right? Full-time. I'm doing it part-time over after work. And so that's what happened. I kind of doubled it that first year, obviously, because I already had clientele uh, built up over three years. So build those relationships with your clients, offer great service. Um, with that, let's talk about a pricing, if you're okay with that. Yeah, push yeah. Let's talk darn about pricing journey. Man, push your darn pricing if you're doing it part-time. Man, I'd sit in my car at lunch and just get sick to my stomach for losing a bid charging 25 an hour. You know, <laughs> like I didn't I never charged by the hour, okay? 
I learned that right away. I took another, like, um, there's another guy, Alan knows, Dan Perry. We talked about this. He does handyman. I don't know coaching, but videos and stuff. And that's where I started out uh, way before I knew about Alan um, because he was out there kind of already when me and Alan were starting our businesses in 2016. Dan was already doing stuff. So I learned a lot from him about pricing. And he was an engineer too, uh, his background. So I kind of jive with him. He left because kind of the same thing. And um, again, I was making 50 on the desk and 25 and mm-hmm. and I would lose bids and I would like really be hard on myself. Man, I should have charged. I should have gave him a less bid again. I mm-hmm. charge by the job. I just multiply my hourly rate by uh, whatever I think is going to take 25. Oh, man, that was stupid. But <laughs> looking back. Because I was like losing jobs and I was uh, losing jobs for my estimates. I'm like, oh, I need jobs because I'm going to do this full time. No, way wrong way to think about it. Um, again, I wasn't really running a business at that point, And I I charged $25 hour, dollars an hour, but it wasn't covering my household income. Right? My household, um, I have a whole spreadsheet of how to calculate exactly what I need to charge per day. And days per year worked to cover my business expenses and personal home expenses. Again, single income. So I got to cover our family expenses and my business expenses. So I know in my spreadsheet, again, how many days. So I know if I work 50 weeks a year, five days a week, how much I have to make in labor every day to cover those expenses. Again, engineering background, spreadsheets. I'm just a nerd. So I, I figured all that out. So um, I should have, if you're doing this part-time, push your rate. What are you afraid of? Losing the job? Oh, well, you still go back to your day job, you know, the next morning. And that's what I should have done. I should have been starting off, you know, Alan's mentioned this in a lot of his videos, like, oh, you make 50 at work? Oh, I'll make 50 as a handyman. That's great. You're doing it on the side. You will do. That'll be perfect, right? But when you're doing it full-time and then you're running a business employee, that 50 ain't and they ain't gonna cut it, right? Because nope. now you're covering your family expenses with this business, and not your your full time. And so push your rates. If you lose a job, all right, try the next caller. Maybe the next one will, will take that price. Um, I don't kind of things are really slow right now where I'm at, so I am not really slipping a lot of my price, but I'm reducing it a, a tiny bit just to make sure I have the income coming in. But not much. I'm not doing what I used to do. Like, oh, that guy didn't take it. I'll cut it, you know, forty, fifty, a hundred dollars off the next caller. So mm-hmm. I would encourage people if you're doing this part time, push your price. Test that out. You say, oh, you know, this guy they charge a hundred dollars to charge uh, hang a TV. Charge two hundred dollars. If you lose it, okay. Well, the next person who calls for a TV, two hundred dollars. Oh, okay, yeah, perfect. What well, can you be here? Mm-hmm. Again, I think there's just the calculated risk. Learn what your market will handle while you're doing it part-time. I think that's a great thing to do. I did not do that. I wish I had. I I would be have more money in the bank now because I would have been at that rate when I first went full-time. And I've pushed my prices since I've gone full-time because, heck, I'm paying $5.50 for gas here in California right now. So it just it is what it is. Yeah. So, so maybe you could dive into a little bit of the mindset there. So I I find it interesting that, you know, when we think about pricing, we think, oh, my price has to be like low enough where people will hire me. Right. But 
even that when you when you gave those quotes for 25 bucks an hour and say it was four hours or whatever, so it's 100 bucks and people still declined it. Like, why do you think those people declined it if it was so cheap? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I'm and now I'm charging four times that for the same job I quoted six years ago, you know? Right. Right. Oh, um, maybe not that I wasn't confident, but just, you know, um, there's a lot of guys in Craigslist and I advertise on Craigslist. We can talk about advertising, but I advertise on Craigslist three days a week. I get a lot of my business from Craigslist, which is weird because a lot of people are like, those are tire kickers. Yeah, a lot of them are, but most of my pricing is over the phone. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Send me text, uh, text me some pictures. Hey, you're probably going to be looking for $500. Uh, okay, I'll send you some pictures. So they already got in their mind kind of where I'm at. Right. Um, but there's a lot of people on there like, you know, 30 years experience, 25 an hour. I'm like, great. There's a guy, a fence contract. He's not a fence contract. He's a guy in town who does a lot of fences. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, what do you charge? Oh, I charge about um, 30, what do you say, 36 a foot. Holy smokes. How do you do that? You know? It's like, well, I got some guys, this and that. I'm like, man. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to, I was like, can I send you business for bigger jobs, right? Because he's got two or three guys plus him. Find out he's a retired fireman. He does it for fun. It's, it's, uh, he said boat money, right? So he's charging way less. He puts out a good product. I trust him. Uh, but he's not trying to feed his family. He's making 50, 60% of his firefighter income and making this on top. But I'm like, I'm not gonna compete with that. Like mm. I gotta charge whatever hundred dollars a foot. I don't charge that, but I'm just saying I, I to feed my family and my bills, I don't have an income, so I have to charge that extra. So why do they turn it down, Alan? I don't know, because it just shocks people and people are still shocked even now at some of my prime. What? You know, yeah. especially older folks. Uh God bless them. But they're they're <laughs> great, they're great customers. But one gal called me the other day and I was like, oh, yeah, that's probably this is a security screen door and something. I was like, yeah, it's probably going to be at least 300. Oh, my mom was thinking it's probably going to be less than that. I'm like, mm. unfortunately, I get a lot of that from retirement folks who haven't had like maybe a big uh, repair done on their home lately. And they're just like, wow, it's that much. Yeah, I mean, I offer a great service. Uh, even the other day, I, I now I, uh, after watching, uh, I think Alan mentioned it, it's definitely Stephen Ben Alexander talking about a uh, consultation fee to go out. I've been mm-hmm. doing that for a year. Took, that was a huge hurdle to get over. I did not want to lose business because mm-hmm. of that. Again, I was going full time already and I'm like, dude, I'm going to lose jobs. And I do. I do lose jobs. What? Like landlord <laughs> called me the other day. He had a huge punch list on a rental. Hey, I want you to come up. Perfect, man. No problem. I'll go out there. $75. We'll walk through the $75. Like, yeah, but there's other guys around here. Like, they'll come out here. No problem, sir. That's, I, I have no issue with that. You may go with their business if you have any, you know, thoughts or want me to come out. He's like, yeah, well, I'm going to really take that into consideration. You know, when I'm picking someone, I said, absolutely. No problem. He hasn't called me back. No problem. Yep. I have my I have like 150 200 five star reviews online. So, I tell people you you can go look over there if you'd like. Yeah, I, th- I have I nothing think, to hide. I think the biggest thing is like and the reason why those people didn't accept those estimates even though the price is so cheap is because there's not your ideal clients. And Absolutely. that's the whole that's the whole thought behind charging a consultation fee is if you tell someone, "Yeah, I'd love to come out. It'll be 75 bucks to come out." And they say, "75 bucks? Like I'm not paying you that, you know?" 
well, then they aren't your ideal client. They're they're just looking for a price. They're looking just to get a piece of paper that has a price and then never hear from you again. They're looking to waste your time. Absolutely. You want to target people that want to work with you and want to value your time, you know? Yeah. And that landlord, I knew exactly he had a, it was a rental turnover. So I knew if I go over there, it's going to be a punch list. I'm going to, he's not going to like my price after I go there. Right. 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 Because yeah. I'm going to give him a price of, you know, five, six, seven, a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars, two thousand dollars, you know, to do all his projects. And he's going to be like, well, that's too expensive. And I just blew an hour and a half walking the yep. whole house, looking at this. Hey man, uh, that just, that's what it is and what I've learned. You know, there are some people, some commercial clients, uh, I, I don't charge that consultation fee because it's a commercial client. They're going to pay. They re- I already work with them. Right, right. I know I'm getting paid. You know, I, there's no qualms about that. Um, but pretty much all residential, send me pictures. You want me to assemble furniture? Send me the link. I'll look up the instructions. Okay. I did one for this swing set. Like I said, the guy's like, oh, no. Okay. Two days later, hey, can you put me on your calendar? Yeah, no problem, man. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah that I like what you said. Uh, you said you know you kind of slightly mentioned I've got like 150, 200 reviews. So it all we and we talk about this quite a bit on the podcast. But to charge a premium rate, like it's all got to be cohesive. Like your your online presence, great reviews. Uh, you you know you've got the logoed shirt, the hat, like a professional experience. Like you need all these things work together to be able to charge a consultation fee, to be able to charge a premium rate. And your ideal clients are attracted to that. They want to work with a company that's got 131 reviews on Google. That's how many reviews Kevin has Uh, because it speaks to that ideal client. So he's attracting that. So he's going to win more of the bids at that premium rate. And I only mention this because I see a lot of posts on the Facebook groups and whatnot of like, oh, I can't charge that. You know, there's no way. It's like, well, maybe not now, but as you build up, you can. Right. Yeah, you yeah, and, and I would just test things, right? Like if you're doing a full time, like I can't charge that. Well, maybe the next call you just throw out that higher number, like add another fifty dollars to the job you've already been doing for one price. All right, they turned it down. The next call for that same job, add that fifty dollars. They bite. Okay. Maybe make that your new one. Try it again. Another 50, whatever it is, you know, you got to push your rate somehow. Um, You know, again, it's not by the hour. I do have some jobs that are flat rate. And so they don't fit in my two hour minimum. Uh, I do have a two hour minimum now uh, in my brain, right? They don't, the customer doesn't know it's for two hours. I kind of tried Joseph Millis's half day and full day. And I played with that a little bit, but I felt my, like between my two hour and four hour would be a half day. Like there's a lot of jobs that are in that three hour range and the jump between three and a half day at uh, three hours and that half day rate is just a quite a big jump. And I was losing jobs. I'm like, man, I could have done that. You know, so I, I kind of backed off that a little bit. I still if I'm doing like a fence job, that's going to take a full day. I do my full day rate in my head. Um, mm-hmm. I'll have a two hour rate. But then I was losing jobs, super simple jobs like changing a, a float valve in a toilet, you know. Like, oh man, I'm losing that. I I can go do that in 15 minutes, you know, or a door handle, 15 minutes. So I decided, you know what? 30 minutes and less, two hundred and five dollars. I know some guys are watching this, like, dude, you're on crack. (laughs) (laughs) I am. I also live in California. So uh things aren't cheap here. Um, you know, again, I 
commercial life. I have in liability insurance on business. All my vehicles on commercial auto insurance because of my business. So that it plays more expensive than your regular car you have in your driveway. Everything is just really expensive here. And so I I use that 205 quite often. Oh, you need a doorknob change? 205 plus part. Like, oh, that's expensive. Yeah, no problem. Okay. And then mm -hmm. sometimes I get a call back. So I'm like, okay, let's do it. And so it's a job will take me 15 minutes, but it's not my two-hour rate because the jump is just that much bigger. So it's just to keep things going. And then I work for that client, and hopefully they'll call me back for a bigger job later on. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, I know one of the uh, one of the topics that we hadn't discussed in our podcast yet that I know has been talked about quite a bit in the group. I've talked about this with clients and peers. Alan, you've mentioned it, but um, this 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 current calendar year is one of the slower years uh, as far as people seem less, uh, you know, like willing to jump on quotes, especially larger ones. I've heard that especially from larger contractors. Um, if you could just kind of talk about this year and like, because you mentioned to us before we, you know, click the record button, it's kind of been a slower year for you. Yeah. I, yeah, I have I, thoughts on that too, but I'd love to hear your thoughts, Kevin. Yeah. Um, so like I was saying earlier, I'm hoping to break 200 on gross income this year. And that's, but starting uh, really for me, my brain was uh, Halloween of last year. I already noticed slowing down, which is kind of normal. It's winter. If your business is set up right, you don't have a slowdown time. And so the last couple of years, COVID, I think Alan can say, and most of the guys in the group was awesome for our business. Mm -hmm. You know, I was super busy 2020, 2021, you know, 22 till summer, kind of the end. And uh, things slowed it down. And I was like, that's interesting. But okay, it's, it's October, November. Eh. But then I talked like, some other tradespeople like in town, like uh, I know a guy goes to my church, he owns a glass company that's been in business for 40 plus years. And he's like, I have to lay off people already. He's like, things are really slow. And I'm thinking, this guy's been in business for 40 years. He hasn't, but uh -huh. the business name has, and he's been an owner probably 20 years. I'm like, and if he's telling me that, and he's, they're one of the top in the area, I'm like, then it's not just me, right? And so that was January. And I was like, okay, it'll kick back up. But it, it's kicked up a little because it was springtime. But my schedule is definitely not booked like how it's been the last four years or three years since I've been uh, four years since I've been full time with this business. It is way slow. I don't even have next week booked out. You know, I don't, I'm not a person that does full, you know, what books out a month or two. Mostly I think because. Um, I'm doing smaller jobs. I'm not remodeling. You know, I know people wait six months a year to do a remodel on a kitchen because they want to work with that specific person. And even though people may want to work with me, if I was booked out a month, they're probably not going to hold out a month for a faucet replacement. Okay. I'll just hire home people. That's fine. Some people will, but, um, again, we're out here on the uh, left coast of the United States. Things are absurdly expensive. And interest rates are absurd. I also invest in real estate. People are just holding on to their cash a little more. I think they're only repairing stuff really if they have to. Like I've had landlords who have tenant turnovers. Okay, they're kind of, that's a good time to do it. They're not going to wait, right? They need another tenant in there. I just did a big job for a, a new customer. All new light fixtures in the house, new fans, new mirrors, uh, toilet paper and towel bars in the, in the back. They kind of did a whole home remodel. And I did all that small stuff. 
they're not going to wait for that, right? They need someone in there. So they're the, I, they found me online and called me, which was fantastic. And I was grateful because that was a, a bigger job for me. Um, but I, I, in general, I think just people are just holding on to their stuff, holding off their cash. Again, I'm pretty frugal guy. Uh, financial literacy is uh, like a passion of mine um, as far as, you know, holding money, saving it. At the end of the day, I'm not freaked out. I have enough in the bank to not work for a year and have my family be safe. Again, it's having that cushion like I had when I started this business. I'm not going to jump out and put the parachute on the way down. That's not how I work. So I'm going to have some pesos in the bank in case slow times like this, I'm not freaking out. I'll go spend some time with my kids, uh, but that doesn't stop me from, you know, getting dinged online and responding to people. I always respond within typically 24 hours of getting a request. So I, I want, hey, thanks for calling me back. No problem. I think part of this business is a lot of people are like, I don't answer the phone. I I don't answer my phone a lot either, especially when I'm in customer homes. But I make darn sure I return every single phone call within a day, even if I can't do the job. Because I'm like, hey, this is Kevin. You call me. I can't do that. Um, oh, thanks for giving me a call back. That way they're not waiting on me. Like that guy I called and he never called back. You see that on two and three star reviews on people's business pages all the time. I called this guy. He never called me back. <laughs> you know, he didn't call me back. I know Alan ran into that when he was starting his business. But yeah, one of the, it's one of my pet peeves. Like you got to call people back. If it's a 1-800 number and it's a, you know, third party maintenance for a commercial, I, I don't really worry about that. But it's a homeowner. Hey, I can't do that. Call this guy. You know, I have a whole Rolodex of trace people I can send out to my customers that I trust in my home. And they are super appreciative of that. Hmm. Awesome. That's awesome, man. Yeah, what do you think, it. Alan? What's your take on, because uh, you felt that same thing in your business this year, have you not? Yeah, it's definitely, um, definitely one of the slowest years here in 2023. Um, I would say be when me and Kevin started, you know, we both started part-time in 2016. And I think at that point there was, there wasn't necessarily this, uh, we could call it an honest handyman or reliable handyman or integrity handyman or whatever, whatever we're trying to create here where you have, there was only like kind of what I call chucks in a truck around. <laughs> so when we started up, we want to do things professional. We want to do things right. It was fairly easy to get going, right? Because there wasn't a whole lot of competition. And then that kind of rode us through to covid and then when covid hit man the the housing industry just boomed like and we got so busy so i think everyone and their brother and even their mother started up a handyman <laughs> business because they're like hey this is great right there's so much work to go around and there was it was really lucrative for many years and then like you said at the tail end of 2022 i think it you know definitely the economy started catching up um all of the stimulus stuff i think started pouring in and we started seeing some of the effects of that now we have, you know, high inflation, high interest rates, all that stuff. And so now it's kind of like it's going to get to a point of survival of the fittest, really. So I think um, I think so it, it's it's a good time and a bad time to start out a handyman business, depending on what type of handyman business you want to start out on. If you want to create a chuck in a truck business, this is a bad time to start. If you want to create like an honest, respectable business, this is a great time to start because it, the people that are like you, Kevin, that answer the phone, you know, do the work they say they're going to do, give a reasonable quote. Those are people that are going to survive through this next season of kind of hardship. 
because I think all those other people that just started out in business that like during COVID that, you know, Chuck in a trucks kind of rose. And I think all those people that don't have the established branding, they don't, you know, have a long time reputation. They're going to end up dying out here pretty quick because work is hard to come by, you know? So I think that people like you are going to keep sticking around. And I think that's kind of the recipe for this next season of the handyman business, you know? I hope I stick around. I mean, that's one of the things that separate, like, uh, I mentioned Craigslist, right? I get a lot of business on Craigslist. So one of the good things they actually did is they charge you five bucks every time you post a right. listing yeah. on on a service. So it doesn't matter what service you have, window washing, handyman, whatever. They now charge five bucks. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I was so gung-ho for that. Why? Yeah. Because Chuck's in the trucks and be like, five bucks. Right. Yeah. They don't want to compete. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I don't want to pay five bucks. I'm like, fantastic. Five bucks. That's cheap advertising. That's five bucks a day, you know, times 30 days. If I do it, I only do it. Uh, I do it Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, Monday, right mm-hmm. after the weekend, Wednesday, halfway the week, Friday, right before the weekend, people need stuff done. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the first thing I do in the morning when I get up, it's five bucks, 15 bucks a week. And I make, you know, two hour, three hour, you know, two, $300. That covered that really quickly. So um, I know different guys in the handyman group, they're like, Craigslist sucks in my area. Totally understand. You just got to try it. Uh, but yeah. yeah, the charging the five bucks definitely separated the guys who are like, I'm just doing this for fun and beer money versus mm-hmm. someone who's like me and I'm posting three times a week. And I have, this is what I do. I have my pictures of before and after. I list out the services. I don't, I but I don't, do anything about pricing i don't say i'm affordable uh those are some words i learned from dan's class back in the day like don't say you're affordable because that's a mindset people and then you hit them with like whatever price like what holy so i'm like you know so i don't use any of that wording you know great deals yeah. i i don't use any of that wording and this is you know this is my business this is what we provide and i'm always one if i don't know how to do it i don't wing it that, that's mm-hmm. not how i work I don't know mm-hmm. how to do it. I'm going to tell you straight up, Mr. and Mrs. Customer, I know I've worked for you for five years. I don't know how to do that. But you know what? I have a guy. I have a guy. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of, I know someone. <laughs> okay. And I'll give him a listen. I get this all the time. Man, that guy you sent over, they were great. They were great. Everyone, mm-hmm. every person you've sent to me has been great. I'm like, well, yeah, because I sure as heck wouldn't want them in my house. If I, right. Why would I send them to you if I don't want them? Yeah. You know, I know I'm going to work and send you people that work like me and I, they might not be neat freaks like me. That's one of my biggest pet peeves in this industry. Y'all, if you aren't cleaning up, I'm talking to you. You got to clean up at the end of your job. That, you dirty that slob. kicks me off. Man, that makes me mad. <laughs> Tell them, huh? Kevin. Tell them. Dude. Preach oh, it. Preach it. Talk about getting my blood boiling, man. That is. <laughs> yeah. So, so Kevin, what uh, what parting advice would you have for people that are listening to us? Either people that might just be looking at getting started in this, they might have had a business for a few years. What kind of parting advice would you have for these guys? Man, if you're interested in getting this business and you're working full time, I encourage you guys. I mean, <laughs> I had a bucket of tools. What can I do with what I got? You know what? Make a list of what you know how to do that you don't have to go spend thousands of dollars of new tools to do. All my tools I bought when I started was all used. Everything was off Craigslist that I bought. And uh, But I think my biggest encouragement is 
push your pricing if you're doing this part-time and going to start off. You know, call around. I called around plumbing companies. I called around, what do they charge an hour? You know, I, I called around just to get a feel what people are charging to come out. And then I kind of threw my number out there somewhere. And then I should have pushed a lot faster. So if you're going to do it part-time, I encourage you to do it. It is, it is uh, be nice to people, you know, be nice. Answer your, uh, like I said, you don't have to answer the phone right away, especially if you're working part-time. Yeah, right. I'm not going to answer my call while I'm working. But when I got off of work, made darn sure that I made, you know, call those people back right away and told them, hey, this is when I can come out. This is what I can do. No, I can't do that. So return phone calls, I think, is uh, even more important than uh, picking up right away. I lose business because I don't pick up right away. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But um, at my website, they can go there. They can find me on Yelp. They can find me on all kinds of different advertising platforms. Fantastic. Fantastic. And and one thing I want to mention about Kevin, Kevin is a YouTube star. <laughs> <laughs> we recently made a uh, a video um, where we he basically gave us a tour of his U-Haul. He converted a U-Haul into a handyman van. So for anyone watching here, you can go check that out at the Handyman Journey YouTube channel. It's called Handyman U-Haul Truck Build-Out. And he, uh, he's he got a fantastic setup. So I think that that's really cool, Kevin. And I think that alone sets you apart from other people. You come ready with all the work and you're ready to rock and roll. So that's fantastic. Great. Yeah. And I'm pretty much an open book. If there's a handyman, I mean, I've had handyman reach out to me from across the country. Uh, guys from SoCal. I've talked to guys in the Midwest. I don't know. I probably through the Facebook group, mm-hmm. you know, asking about pricing. I've talked their ear off for an hour. I'm like, this is what I've done. This is where I've advertised. This is where I've spent money advertising. These people suck. Don't work with these people. Like, I've already had that experience, so why not pass it on? I, I'm pretty much an open book. I have a spreadsheet, like I said, to figure out a work that I've given that spreadsheet on the Handyman Facebook page. It's on there. Anyone watching this on the Facebook page, there's a you can reach out to me and I can shoot you that spreadsheet. There's been a handful of guys who have used that for their business to figure out again, what's your family expenses, what's your business expenses, and what do you gotta make every single day you want to work to cover that? Because if you don't cover it. Uh, the thing is, again, about my financial literacy, I love, you got to know where your money's going. Got to know. Yeah. You don't keep track of it, man. It'll eat you up. You'll be in the hole and you don't even know it. You know, you keep seeing the money coming in, but you know, you got a huge spigot, you know, leak somewhere and uh, mm-hmm. you find out real quick by using that spreadsheet, how your money is behaving and where it's going. So yeah, if anyone wants to reach out to me there, feel free to do so. Definitely. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for just all that you do and what you bring to the Handyman journey. It's fantastic having you on the Handyman Success Podcast. I also wanted to give a special thanks to my co-host, Jason Call. Uh, Absolutely fantastic. If you guys need anything website, SEO, marketing related, Jason Call is your guy. You can get you can get in touch with him over at handymanmarketingpros.com. And also, if you want to reach out to me, you can reach out to me at handymanjourney.com. Um, I am a business coach here to help you guys grow your handyman business. Um, but thank you guys so much for tuning in. All of y'all listening to this, uh, we would just be talking to ourselves if you were not here. So we thank you guys for joining in on this. And we want to give you guys more content. So we have a monthly webinar that Jason and I do. Uh, you can get uh, more information about that over at handymansuccess.net. Make sure you go check that out. Register for the next uh, webinar. 
They're usually uh, near the end of the month, and we would absolutely love to have you attend to those. So thank you guys so much, and we will catch you guys on the next Handyman Success podcast. Thanks for tuning in, y'all.